to stray from God, to wander from truth, to fall into error. I'll read you a few more verses in a minute. I was saved in December of 1976 when I, when I got to church and, and the, the, the fog began to clear, if, if you will, and, and I began to, to really see and understand what was going on and get to know people and, and be comfortable in that setting and in that environment. I noticed bumper stickers that said things like, perhaps today. I heard people leaving and they didn't say goodbye. They didn't say, see you next Sunday. They'd say, here, I'll, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. There was a tremendous excitement about the coming of the Lord. Every prolonged series of meetings, be it a revival meeting or a Bible conference, had at least one sermon, certainly one song about the coming of the Lord and being ready for Jesus to come. And, and there was a great excitement and anticipation. And none of that came from books. None of that came from visions or dreams. All of it came from reading the Bible and being centered upon the Word of God. And then for reasons we'll not discuss uh, on, on this broadcast, people just moved away from that hope. Maybe they lost confidence. Maybe date setters discouraged them. Maybe they got wrapped up in politics. Maybe they just became entangled with the affairs of this life so that in this present hour, people who are correct in their understanding of the rapture, very few of them ever mention it and fewer still seem to have any excitement about it or any anticipation of the rapture. And then many, many others have decided that instead of looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, they, they'll start looking for the rise of the Antichrist. And that certainly seems like a hopeless, blessed hope. Shalom Aleichem, my friends. Peace be upon you. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is www.scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today's just going to be a little bit different. I've, I've been feeling lately like God wants me to kind of return to the roots of the podcast for some reason. You know, there's two things that we're going to talk about today. And these are two things that I used to talk about on the regular. That really was the beating heart of this podcast uh, when I first started it seven years ago, uh, 2014. Uh, number one was the return of Christ and watching for Jesus and being ready. And that was the talk. And, you know, when I think about 2014, 2015, man, I was just amped up. Um, we had the blood moon tetrad happening. Many of you remember that. 
there was a significant blood moon. It was taking place on a significant feast days, and it was just there was just all this, all these reasons to believe and to to expect that that it, Jesus was returning at any minute. And I really believe that with all my heart and soul. I remember the, uh, on the Feast of Trumpets during that time period, um, it was around noonish here in the United States, which would have put it just right before sundown in Israel. And I was in my car and I was watching the live feed of the Wailing Wall. And my expectation that, that Christ was going to return was just, I mean... It was the only thing I was thinking about. It was all I cared about. I mean, I really, really thought that it was going to happen in that moment, in that time frame. And I'm not sure what's happened or, or what's ruined that for me over the last few years, the last four or five years. Um, maybe it was just the, you know... Expecting, 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 and then it not happening, not happening, not happening. I'm, I'm not really sure. I bring all this up just because I, I just know that there's some of you that that have that have dealt with this, that have been feeling that, and if you've lost your excitement, and it, I feel like Jesus is telling us, like He told the church in Revelation, you've forgotten your first love. You need to get back to that. And so today we're going to read Matthew chapter 25, which has, a, you know, several parables dealing with the king coming, coming kingdom of heaven and the return of the master. And so we're going to look at that and we're going to open up our hearts in the deepest way and just really, even though we've heard these parables and we've beat them to death over the last many years, we're going to just you know, try to open up our hearts and minds and see these with a new light and let God speak to us and let God set our souls on fire again. If you're one of those people who've, you've just kind of, you, you, the, the expectation, you feel like it's fallen off for you for some reason. Another thing I was talking about early on in this work, in this ministry, was Christian persecution around the world. And I was outraged about the things that were going on in, uh, uh, in the Middle East. And a matter of fact, one of the very first videos I did uh, on YouTube was about how Christians were being beheaded. This is when this first started happening, back in 2014. Uh, one of my videos, it ended up getting like a hundred thousand views very, very quickly. And it was the, f and wouldn't you know it, and this is seven years ago, YouTube came in and flagged it and, and called it copyright, even though there was no music, there was no nothing. It was just me talking about it. And so I, I my, my stuff, friends was being censored way back then. And uh, one of the outrages I had was that nobody seemed to care about what's going on around the world and how everybody's ignoring the fact that Christians are the most heavily persecuted faith-based group worldwide. Hands down, not even close. 
And we've been, you know, so, so I'm going to read this article to you today before we get into Matthew chapter 25. It's on themostimportantnews.com. I posted a couple days ago. And it's titled, Where is the Outrage? Every single day, Christians are being tortured, beaten, and killed all over the globe. And so we're going to read this, and then we'll get into our Bible study for today. Let me read you this article. Here's what it says. As you read this article, Christians all around the world are facing absolutely horrific persecution. They are forced to work as slave labor in concentration camps in North Korea. They are being chased from their homes in some parts of India. They live in constant fear of Islamic terror attack throughout vast stretches of Africa. And countless numbers of believers are suffering in secret brainwashing facilities in China right now. No group is more persecuted all over the globe than Christians are, but there is very little outrage in the Western world about this. In fact, the corporate media will never tell you about most of the things that I am about to share with you. The corporate media, Christians, to the corporate media, Christians are the main enemy of progress. In the Western world, and so pointing out the brutal persecutions of Christians all over the planet definitely does not suit their agenda. But the truth is that what I'm about to share with you should be front page news. For example, a survivor of secret brainwashing facilities in China has come forward to tell his story. This comes from Radio Free Asia. Here's what he said. Authorities in China are detaining Christians in secretive mobile transformation facilities to make them renounce their faith, RFA has learned. A member of a, of, a, member of a Christian house church in southwestern province of, Sh, of Shukan, who asked to be identified by a pseudonym, Li, said that he was held in a facility run by the ruling Chinese Communist Party, United Front Work Department, working in tandem with the state security police for 10 months after a raid on his church in 2018. During the 10 months that Lee was detained in one of these facilities, he was endlessly beaten because he would not sign a statement renouncing his faith. They are really underhanded methods, Lee continued. They threaten, insult, and intimidate you. These were United Front officials, men, women, sometimes unidentified, usually in plain clothes. The police turn a blind eye to this. You have to accept the statement they prepare for you. If you refuse, you will be seen as having a bad attitude, and they will keep you in detention and keep on beating you. Can you imagine what your mental state would be after being beaten for ten months straight? Lee says that he was brought to such a point of despair that he eventually resorted to self-harm. Lee said, I couldn't sleep. After you've been in there a week, death starts to look better than staying there. I bashed myself against the wall to self-harm, he said. One time in there, I was groggy and was trying to open my eyes, but I couldn't. Four or five of them grabbed me by the arms and legs and pinned me to the ground. They injected me with some drug and brought me back to consciousness. Of course, this is not the first time that we have heard about these facilities. According to another victim, some of the torture methods often employed include cold showers and sub-zero temperatures and forcing inmates to carry large buckets of water around their necks. If you were tortured like this endlessly, would you sign a statement renouncing your faith so that you could go back to your normal life? 
Sadly, this is all part of a nationwide effort by the Communist Party to diminish the influence of the Christian faith in Chinese society. Online sales of Bible have been banned, Christians are constantly being monitored, and churches are being demolished all across China. Meanwhile, in another country, I'm sorry, meanwhile, in the only other country that has a population of over a billion people, Christians often find themselves fleeing from their homes because their lives are in danger. For example, the following report about an incident that just took place in central India state of Chhattisgarh. Christian families are in a village in the central Indian state of Chhattisgarh. I'm, I'm totally butchering that, by the way. Fled after villagers belong to a tribal religion, ostracized and threatened to kill them if they did not convert back to their ancestral religion. But the ten Christians who would not flee were beaten and forced to reconvert, according to the report. The village gathering last a month. Last ga- village gathering for a month threatened to beat us to death if we did not attend the ceremony. Uh, Redhar, twenty-one, who was among the Christians who fled the village, told the Morning Star News they stopped us from fetching water from the village, well, obtaining the free government ration, or even working in our own fields. I could do an article about global Christian persecution every single day if I wanted to because more reports are constantly coming from all over the planet. The persecution of the end times is here. And as I discussed in my latest book, it is going to get a whole lot worse in the coming days. Some of the attacks that we have witnessed so far in 2021 are extremely disturbing. Last month in Venezuela, four Christians were brutally assaulted and forced to eat pages of the Bible. How sick do you have to be in order to do something like that? According to Open Doors USA, approximately 340, more Christians, or 340 million Christians around the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination solely because of their religious beliefs. But I think that number is way, way too low because more than a billion people live in China and more than a billion live in India. Unfortunately, the way things are going soon, there won't be anywhere on the entire planet where Christians are safe from persecution. The United States was supposed to be a refuge for those that love religious freedom, but now things are changing at lightning speed. At this point, our society has become extremely hostile to those that love God and to seek to live according to the Bible, and it won't be very long before severe persecution of Christians starts to happen here, too. So that's the article. And here's what I present to you. I would ask you to refocus your prayers and to really pick a persecuted group of Christians. It can be the ones in China. It can be the ones in India. It can be the ones in Venezuela. It can be the ones in Africa. Wherever you feel your heart led and pray and begin to pray for them every single day. Every day. And then also let's pray that the United States would remain a place of Christian refuge. Maybe this is why God has continued to spare the United States in spite of its wickedness, is because his people are still, for the most part, safe here, at least safer here than probably anywhere else in the world as of today, but that may not be true, you know, at the end of the year, right? So 
be praying that the United States would, re, would remain a refuge of hope and safety for Christians and be praying for those who are being persecuted around the world. You have to take some type of ownership of this situation because that is what we are to do as the church. We are to care about our brothers and sisters around the world. Not just in our own backyard. And so let's be thinking about them and praying for them on a daily basis. I'm going to take that challenge upon myself as well to just make sure that I'm I'm taking the time to pray for those people not only pray for their safety and for their deliverance, but that the United States would remain a place where people can find refuge who are of the Christian faith. All right. Let's get to our Bible study. We're going to read Matthew 25, probably for the 20th time on this show. But I want you to just listen I'm not going to do a whole lot of, I'm not going to explain every single line and every single piece of these parables. I just want you to hear them and to just renew that mindset within you. That, hey, the bridegroom cometh. The master is coming. He is returning. And he is telling us to be watchful because we don't know when that time will be. So let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 1, King James Bible. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Let's hold on just a second. I'm going to try not to do this too often as we read through these. You know, the the introduction that I played for you was a guy talking about how he was saved in the 70s and how there was this great anticipation. Like everybody thought the return of Messiah was near. And then it kind of fell off. And then we kind of had, I would say, a resurgence in 2014, 2015 with everything going on, all the prophetic signs, the things going on in the sun, moon, and stars. The, you know, the, There was videos from all over the world about these crazy trumpet sounds, and it was just so much going on. And then it just kind of seemed like that died off a little bit, and it seemed like the Lord was tarrying. And it says here that while the Lord tarried, that they all fell asleep. They all slumbered and slept. All of them, by the way. All ten. Okay? But five are foolish and five are wise. By the way, I don't believe these parables are for non-believers. These, these parables are for and talking about people who at the very least at least claim to believe or think that they are part of the faith. Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out ye to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. I happen to believe that the oil represents being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuing on. 
And the foolish said to the wife, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you, but go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage supper, and the door was shut. You see, those who are ready are going to be ready. Those who are not ready, they're going to... The, the bridegroom's going to return. They're going to they're going to be like, oh no, I'm not ready, and then they're going to be trying to go out and quickly earn, right? But it's too late. It's too late at that point. The door is shut. And afterwards, verse eleven came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and he said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. What does Jesus mean when he says, I know you not? He's saying, we don't have an intimate relationship. Like, it's not, I don't know you. Like, I don't know that your name's Bob. It's, I don't know you. We're, we're not close like that. Verse 13, listen, I know you've heard this a thousand times, but let it sink into your heart. Every word of it. Watch therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. I believe this whole parable was showing us that he's coming at a time you think not. In fact, everybody will kind of be slumbering and sleeping and then, boom, there's a shout at midnight. Those who are ready, those whose lamps, those who were wise, they prepared ahead, they were, they went in. And there's going to be other people who just, they weren't prepared. And they're going to be saying, Lord, Lord, open to us, let us in. But they can't. It's too late. You see, this is why we're supposed to keep watching. I really address this in my devotional book, The End of Days, a 30-day devotional. And I talk specifically about that scene where... Jesus is praying before he is, before they come and they arrest him, and he keeps coming back and finding the disciples asleep. And he says, "Could you not watch for me? Watch with me for one hour, right?" And he's telling them to watch and pay attention and be alert, because the end result of not doing those things is temptation. Because why? The flesh is weak. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. He says, "Watch." lest you fall into temptation. Let's continue on with Matthew 25. He's going to give another parable for the kingdom of heaven. What are we talking about? We're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the return, right? We know that because verse 13 says, Watch ye therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of God, verse 14, the kingdom of heaven is is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. This is the situation we're in now. Messiah has traveled away, and he's left us, given us some talents and some responsibilities, and at some point he's going to come collect on that. Verse 15, And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. 
Then he that received five talents went and traded the same, and he made them another five talents. And likewise, he that received two had also gained another two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. So you have three examples here. One was given five talents and he multiplied that. He, he took it out and he did something with it. The one that was given two, he, he also went and he doubled what his master had given him. And then you have one who just dug a hole and did nothing. He was lazy. Not only that, as we're going to find out, he didn't even have the right understanding about the master. He had a whole different opinion about the master. It wasn't even true. Verse 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants cometh, and he reckoned with them. Verse 20, And so he that received five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, Thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also had received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I don't know about you, but isn't that what you want to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then let's look at verse 24. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou dost not sow, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered, and he said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. In other words, he's saying, at least I would have had some interest on it. Take for there the talent from him, and give it to him that hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given... And he shall have an abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he has. What is he saying? He's saying those who accomplish much with what the Lord is giving them, of course, with the right mindset, right, to further the kingdom. They'll be given even more, but those who have done nothing, even the little that they have will be taken and given to the one who's done much. Here's a frightful line, verse 30. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we have one, uh, one more here. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. You see, this whole thing is, is talking about him coming. And what's the relationship with the servants 
when he returns. That's what these parables have been about. This is not a parable anymore, by the way. At this point, he's talking about reality. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me meat, and when I was thirsty, you gave me drink, and when I was a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me, and I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when we saw thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink, and when we saw thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee, or when... Saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. So then we go back to what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast about how there's worldwide Christian persecution. What are we doing to the least of these? Are we even taking the time to pray? Or even taking time to care about the situation? Verse 41. Then shall I say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For when I was hungered, you gave me no meat. When I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. When I was a stranger, you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they answer also him, saying, Lord, when saw we... Thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee. Then he shall answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That is our study for this morning. My hope and prayer today is that hearts have been pierced and that this causes you to literally get on your face before God and pray for your brothers and sisters who are suffering around the world to have a renewed sense of urgency about the return of Christ and that it causes you to fill that lamp full of oil and to come out of your slumber and to begin to believe and anticipate that his return, his coming, whatever that looks like, could be at any moment. Because that's what we're commanded to do. We're called to watch and be watchful. In so many places throughout the scripture, it's in the book of Revelation. Uh, as a matter of fact, he actually warns one of the churches, if you will not watch, there's going to be trouble for you. It's all over the scriptures to watch because it's coming at a time that you expect not. As we've seen from these two parables, the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents, one is about being ready, that is coming can come at any moment, and the other is about do something while, he, while you wait. Don't be like the wicked, lazy servant who just buries his talent and goes about his life. 
Do something. Find some way to make an impact. And maybe that's just lots of prayer. You know, we've all been given certain resources, certain talents, put in certain positions. Some have been given more, but those who have been given more power, position, and resources, much more is expected of them, the scriptures say. So don't have the attitude, well, I've been given too small of a portion. We've all been given enough to do something. And maybe it's as simple as you're that person who's on their face, interceding. I had no idea what the podcast was going to be when I got up this morning. I'm not kidding. I, I just sat down and this is what we ended up with. I really believe it was led by the Holy Spirit. And so I pray that it's blessed you this morning. That is all I have time for. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.